I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. I'm going to talk to you today about the battle between me, myself, and I. James chapter 4. I'd like to read this from the New International Version of the book of James. And so if you have that or have an electronic device that will allow you to find it, James chapter 4 was my favorite chapter in the Bible when I was a teenager. I would read it again and again for what I believe was explosive content. And James chapter 4 deals with the inner man, the inner woman. Upon first glance, you might think it was talking about wars between people or nations. But this is actually talking about what's going on inside of an individual. Beginning at verse 1, New International Version, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that he, meaning God, jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, (laughs) but he gives us more grace? That's why the scripture said, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Here's the solution. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. The battle on the inside, the war that's being fought, the conflict that I live with, it's the battle between me, myself, and I. Now, James chapter 4. Verses 1 through 10 is about inner struggles. And these struggles are the fruit of our pain, our shame, and our dream. Listen to him again. Verse 1. 
what causes fights and quarrels among you? In other words, why can't you get along with folk? It comes from your desires that battle within you. You desire stuff, but you don't have it, so you kill. You covet what you see others have and cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God, and then when you ask God, you don't get it because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. That's talking about something that's going on inside of us that is the fruit of something in our past that's causing us to be not only unhappy, but in many cases, angry. That anger grows. It expands. That anger inside of us lashes out at others. And these are struggles on the inside that comes from some pain in our past that's led to shame in our lives and has drained us of our energy in many cases. Uh, Your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. The reason why pain is valuable is because we cannot grow unless we have pain. You've heard of the term growing pangs. Pain is a part of growth. Your spiritual growth is no different. And when you go through painful situations, you can grow from that into a mature person, the person that God would have you to be. And understanding that James is suggesting the conflict on the inside has caused trouble on the outside. And the battle that we have is not with Satan. The battle is not With evil, the battle is with myself. Repeat after me. The enemy is within me. Well, that was a few of us. Let's try it with our outside voices. The enemy is in me. The devil is not the reason for my struggle. Nor is the devil the reason for my lack of progress. The devil is not the reason for my lack of growth. The enemy is within me. The devil was defeated at the cross. And at the empty tomb, his fate was sealed. The enemy is in me. I don't have problems with the devil. I have problems with Sherman. Sherman is Sherman's worst enemy. Because in order for me to move forward in the world, I've got to deal with with my thoughts and I've got to deal with my own attitude there's some stronghold questions you hear people raise today I don't particularly agree with them but let's talk about them people will come to me many, in many cases and they'll say well pastor how can I move on I had this to happen in my life and that happened and this other thing happened and how do you, how do you move on from something like that When you've had that type of traumatic experience, that kind of problem, that kind of trouble, how do you move on? 
Then other times people will say, why can't I get past this? This happened to me months or years ago, and I'm still not able to get past it. And over and over, people raise these concerns. I had something bad to happen in my family or had something bad to happen to me personally. It happened when I was a child or it's happened since I've been an adult. It happened right in my face, in my presence. I was betrayed. I was, I was, I was abused. How do I move on and become successful? The truth is you have already moved on because the sun came up the next day and you're still here. Weeks and months, years have gone by and you're still here. The only reason why you have not moved on from it in your mind is because you're looking for a different feeling. You want to feel different. You want to feel that it's over or you want to feel closure. Now, ideas like that are not godly ideas. How can I move on? Well, what scripture is that based on? Uh, why can't I get past this? Well, what scripture is that based on? That's a part of the pop psycho babble that we get off television. We hear people talk about that and we say, you know, that describes my life, but that's not the life that God is giving to us. You say, well, that describes my life. That's just where I'm at. But you got that off of a reality show or you read it in a Steve Harvey book. Not understanding that the expert on life has already given you a book for your life. You say, well, the Bible is old. And, you know, when I get off of television or when I get Steve Harvey, that's up to date. No, the issues of life have never changed. They're still the same issues since Adam. But if I buy into an idea that says something about psychology or something about my mentality or something about my emotions I'm prone to not believe the word of God here's some more things you hear people say well you know the reason she does that she has low self esteem well where is that in the Bible where does the Bible teach about low self esteem or high self esteem where does the word address that the truth is, that's something that somebody created that sounds good. Well, she's promiscuous and she runs around because her self-esteem is low. Now, I know some people who do that and they ain't got low self-esteem. No, that's become an excuse to blame it on and not let the Lord deliver you. I wish I had a witness. The same thing is true when we look at life today and we say, well, my circumstance has me in this particular place. But the God that you serve says he can bless you beyond any circumstance. And no matter what you want to define your circumstance as being because you said it so doesn't make it so with God. But it does make it so with you. And so James wants us to understand that when it comes to life, and the struggles in life, there's about four things we need to do in order to make progress. And I want to give you those four. <laughs> the first one is, wrap yourself in God. Wrap yourself in God. Listen at what the writer says. He says, 
you pray you don't get what you want. You ask you don't receive because you're trying to get it on your own pleasure. You adulterous people, don't you know friendship with the world means enmity against God? Do you know the word adultery means unfaithful? And in the Bible, most of the time when the word appears, it has nothing to do with sexual unfaithfulness. It has to do with spiritual unfaithfulness. It has to do with God looking at me and doing all that he's done for me. And rather than me depend on him, I'm dependent on other sources. And so when you take things like, well, I got to get closer. Well, 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 where did this all come from? Why can't I move on? Well, why can't I get past this? That's called friendship with worldly thinking. That's me taking worldly philosophy, worldly concepts and bringing them into another place and saying it's hard for me to move on when God has already given me another day. And here's what the Bible said, as your days, so shall your strength be. I wish I had a Bible reader. As a matter of fact, the word of God said, this is a day that the Lord has made. And what did it say? I'm going to mope and grope and be sad because of what happened yesterday. This is the day that the Lord has made, so I'm going to complain about what happened yesterday. This is the day the Lord has made, and so I don't know how I'm going to shake what happened to me yesterday. What does the Bible say? I wish I had a Bible reader. This is the day the Lord has made. I will, I, now listen, I will rejoice and be glad in it knowing that I had a bad yesterday. Knowing that I had to confront something I didn't want to confront. Or knowing that I've had to deal with some grief and some strife. But the new day means a new opportunity. Because the Bible said his mercies are made new when? Every day. And so no matter what happens Saturday night, this is Sunday morning. No matter what happened Friday, this is Sunday morning. No matter what jumped on me last Monday, this is Sunday morning. And if I met a new day, it means that I have already moved on. No matter how traumatic, no matter how dark, no matter how awful, no matter how miserable the struggle was, a new day suggests that this is a day that I can get everything that belongs to me. I might have missed it yesterday, but today I'm claiming hold of it. So he said you got to be careful that you don't uh, get in an adulterous relationship with worldly thinking. He says, the scripture says, he gives more grace to the humble. I wish I had a witness. The word grace needs a little unpacking. Because the church has over the years said, grace means God's unmerited favor. That's true, but that ain't the only definition. Grace also means God's power to meet certain needs and specific needs. Whatever my need is today, God has given me the grace to meet it. Have you ever had some day on the calendar coming up that you really didn't want to have come? And you saw it coming weeks out or days out and it was some court case or it was some doctor's visit or it was something that you really didn't want to face. You were almost afraid to go. But on the day of it, you got up, got yourself together, and you went out there, and it wasn't nearly as bad as you thought it was going to be. You know what happened? God gave you the grace to meet that situation for that day.
He gave you strength that you didn't really know that you had. He gave you an ability that you really didn't know was down on the inside of you. And when you had to go to court or you had to go to the doctor or you had to meet that opposition, you were able to walk in with your head up. And guess what you found out? He'd already worked it out. Anybody ever had him to work it out before you ever got there? When you sit down thinking you're going to get some bad news, they informed you before you got here, we'd already worked it out. Matter of fact, here's the solution to your problem. That's because every day he's working in your favor. And what you got to do is wrap yourself. Can anybody say wrap yourself? What does it say at James 4 and 7? Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. Therefore, do what, everybody? Yeah, and the God's word translation says, so place yourselves under God's authority. What bad do you think can happen to you under God's authority? What evil do you think can happen to you under God's authority? What danger do you think you would be in under God's authority? What I have to do is get away from worldly thinking and get under the authority of God. And under his authority, the world cannot harm me. Evil cannot harm me and the devil cannot reach me. So verse 8 says, draw near to God. Everybody say, draw near. Yeah, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Paul, you're closest to me. Come in for a second. Draw near to God. I've shown you this before, but to remind you, I need to show you again. Last time I showed you, I showed you with Rube. This time I'm going to show you with a bigger man in size than Rube. Draw near to God. Church said draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now I'm playing God. He's playing you. Paul represents you. I represent God. Paul needs to draw near to God. How many of us want to be nearer to God, closer to God? How many of us want to know more about the Lord? Well, through prayer, through worship, through meditation, through, through the word, he's drawing near step by step. First step, the word. Second step, prayer. Next step, faith. Next step, the word. Next step, prayer. Look at how he's drawing near to me. You see, no preacher can put you near God. Nobody laying hands on you can get you near God. There's no olive oil on your head that's going to get you nearer to God. Laying on the floor, knocked out in the Holy Ghost, not going to get you near to God. That's something you have to do on your own. You can put on your prayer list, well, I want a closer walk with God. Well, the question is, what are you doing for that closer walk? There's no prayer that I can pray to get you there. You have to do it on your own. Go back over there, Mr. Paul. Take a step towards me. That's a step of faith. Somebody say faith. Take another step. That's prayer. Somebody say prayer. Take another step. That's worship. Somebody say worship. Take another step. That's faith again. Take another step. That's prayer. Take another step. And look at what happens. He gets close to me. He drew. Stay right there. He drew near to me. He drew. God didn't move. He moved. But here's the thing about God. God is everywhere anyhow. So the Bible said draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. I can't get to Paul because I'm already where Paul is. So what does it mean God will draw near to you if he's not away from you? It means once he gets close to me, 
God gets so in his face that he cannot escape. See, through prayer, worship, and the word, he's gotten right here. Now, everywhere he moves, everywhere he goes, I'm in his face. Everywhere he moves, I got him covered. Everything that goes on with him, I got him surrounded. I'm so high, he can't go over me. I'm so low, he can't go under me. I'm so wide, he can't go around me. That's what it means for God to draw near to you. Drawing near to God, he approaches God. But God don't approach. God is. You're in trouble? I'm right here. You broke, busted, or disgusted? I'm right here. You struggling in your life? I'm right here. You didn't sleep well last night? I'm right here, not sleeping with you. You slept well? I slept well too. I'm wherever you are. Let you going to church? I'm going to church with you. You going to the hospital? I'm going to the hospital with you. I am on his case. They used to say like white on rice. He cannot escape God. Draw near to God. Wrap yourself in God. Thank you, sir. Y'all could have given him a hand or something. He, he couldn't get away from me. He's not quick enough. He said, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. Now he's talking to church folks, saints. So he's not, talk, he's not calling them unsaved. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. He said, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's a double mind? When you say you trust God, but you really don't. You got two minds running at the same time. People will come in and they say, well, Bishop, I, I want you to pray for my daughter. I want you to pray for my son. I want you to pray for my husband. I want you to pray for my wife. And they're just talking, talking, okay, let's pray. And then as soon as we get through praying, they go right back to bad-mouthing them. That's a double mind. Once you pray about it, you don't go back and talk about it like you never prayed. But once you give it over to God, you leave it where it is. I wish I had a witness. So wrap yourself in God. But here's the second thing we need to do is resist the devil. Because the devil constantly reruns it through your mind. You know what, what, Pastor, how do I move on? The reason you're struggling is the devil keeps rerunning it through your mind. That mistake that you made, that, that, that awful thing that happened to you, what's happening? It's rerunning through your mind. Now, I want you to notice you have to submit to God before you can resist the devil. Let me try that again. First of all, the scripture says submit to God. Then it says resist the devil. Step one, wrap yourself in God. Step two is what? Now what is it to resist? It comes from the Greek word uh, that means oppose. Uh, opposite. It means to be against. It means to stand. Uh, it means to take a complete stand. Uh, 180 degree contrary position. It means uh, to establish your position publicly and conspicuously. It means to hold your ground. Now, if you were fighting the devil you couldn't resist him. 
The reason why you can resist him is because of your submission to God and because you have more authority over your life than he does. Case in point. When you talk about resisting, uh, nature, there's a storm coming this afternoon. Can you resist it? If you see on the weather that there's a storm coming, you say, oh, when everybody else in town might have a storm, I'm not going to have one. Can you resist it? No. Because nature has more power over the weather than you. What about when seasons change? What's your favorite season of the year? Summer, spring, autumn? Nature has more power than you. What about aging? Can you resist aging? Can you? No matter what you do. You take a stand against it. Still going to get old. Last time you looked in the mirror, did you like what you saw? Did you have this idea that you would look the rest of your life the way you did at 21? When you look back at the old pictures... How do you feel? Especially if the hair is turned, the skin is turned, the body is increased. Why can't you resist it? Color it, straighten it, braid it, glue it in, sew it in. Why can't you resist it? Because it has more power in nature than you do. The things that you can resist are the things that you have authority over. When it says resist the devil, it means you have the power to resist him. You see, if you keep dwelling on your mistakes, dwelling on the bad experiences, dwelling on the stuff that happened to you, you'll end up serving it. But you can resist it. The Bible says in Ephesians 6.16 that the devil has fiery darts. It says, take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Not bullets, darts. A bullet you shoot, a dart you throw. What if I threw bullets at you? What would happen? I got a table full of bullets and you're the enemy and I pick them up and start throwing them at you. What happens? Nothing. But what if I've got darts? And the thing about darts is you throw them with a target in mind. How many of you ever played darts and didn't hit the bullseye? Some of y'all didn't even hit the whole target. So if the devil has fiery darts, these are thoughts or ideas he throws at you. But because he throws them doesn't mean that you have to catch them. I don't have a witness here. If he is using darts, it means that he is throwing them to destroy you. But you decide whether or not you will let them penetrate. As a matter of fact, they're called fiery darts. Why? Because fire burns. 
What goes on in hell 24-7? Fire. So these are messengers of hell. He's throwing hell at you. But you don't have to catch it. I wish I had a witness. He is throwing at you, but it is up to you whether or not it lands. So you resist the devil and you resist the feeling of the fiery darts. And then Revelation 12 and 10, the devil is called the accuser of the brethren who accuses them day and night. Satan blames you day and night. You can't do nothing right. You didn't marry right. You can't raise your children right. You can't handle money right. You just can't do nothing right. Can't do nothing right. He accuses you day and night, night and day, day and night, night and day. But with faith, you can quench the fiery darts of the devil. When he comes after you, you've got the power and the ability to withstand, to take a stand and to stand your ground. Here's the third thing. Not only wrap yourself in the Lord, not only resist the devil, but number three, resolve to not live for the problem. Everybody say resolve. And the word resolve means to speak it out loud. When I say resolve, I don't mean just think a good thought. I mean declare a good thought. And you got to learn to speak life and not death. What is death? Death is whatever has no possibilities because if it's dead, it has no future. Rather than keep talking about your past, it's time to start talking about your future. Rather than keep rehearsing your past, it's time to promote your future. you got to speak life and not death. What goes out of your mouth is important for what happens in the rest of your life. And you've got to make the resolution for life. you got to speak life. And not live for the problem. Your problem needs to know that you've got the solution. And the solution has to be declared. Here's what the Bible said. And his name shall be called wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. The prince of peace. The word called there means that people will declare it. His name shall be called with your mouth. Wonderful one. Counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. The Bible said, call on me in the day of trouble and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you did not know. What you say has power. Jesus said, you shall come to a mountain and you will speak to the mountain and declare that it will be moved and it shall be moved and nothing will be impossible for you. But you got to speak it. What's coming out of your mouth? What have you resolved to live for? And what have you resolved to let go? And we've got to learn to speak the timeless word of God, not the current words that we hear around us and the empty phrases. We've got to learn how to say what God says. Because when we say what God says, it means we agree with God. We are in agreement with God that no weapon formed against us can prosper. I'm in agreement with God that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm in agreement with God that all 
things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and those who are called according to his purpose. I'm in agreement with God that the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm in agreement with God. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. I'm in agreement with God that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. I'm in agreement with God that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I'm in agreement with God that without faith it is impossible to please him for those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm in agreement with God that said wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and is now set down upon the right hand of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest ye also be weary and faint in your minds I'm in agreement with God that blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he does shall prosper I'm in agreement with God that the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I'm in agreement with God that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever I'm in agreement with God that the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I might know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary I'm in agreement with God that whatsoever state I am I've learned to be content I'm in agreement with God that said lo I am with you always even until the end of the world I'm in agreement with God that said I am alpha and omega I'm the beginning and the end I'm the first and the last I'm in agreement with God that said surely I come quickly I'm in agreement with God that said I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him I'm in agreement with God whatever his word say that's what I say you might say different but I don't agree with you I don't agree with you that I'm down and I can't get up I don't agree with you that I'm no good I don't agree with you that I'm dumb and stupid I don't agree with you that I don't know my way through life I don't agree with your criticism I only agree with Christ Here's the last thing. Reposition my head. Say, so wrap yourself in God. All right, let's try that again. Say, so I must wrap myself in God. I must resist the devil. I must resolve to win. And here's the last one. I got to reposition my head. 
I need to choose to think better. You know, if you think it, that's what you are. So let me challenge you. Think better. <laughs> Here's what James said, verse 9 10. Lament and mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. How many know some of y'all laugh too much? You ever had a friend, everything was funny. Everything was funny. They don't take nothing seriously. There's a time to laugh and there's a time not to laugh. I don't have a witness here. You, you laughing at your life going down the drain. You laughing at the fact you ain't got no money, never got none. You laughing at the fact that you're not trying to finish education. You laughing at the fact that you can't get ahead in life. That ain't funny. You laughing at the fact that you run with a group of thieves and crooks and burglars and robbers. How many know that ain't funny? You laughing at the fact that drugs is tearing up your life. That ain't funny. You laughing at the fact that you having to be different uh, sugar babies for different sugar daddies. That ain't funny. You need to reposition your mind. I'm going to keep preaching until I get a witness in the house somewhere. I say you need to reposition your mind. Reposition your head. Here's what he said. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What does that mean? That means sober up in your thinking. Calm down and look at where you are and get serious. And then it said this. I'm, let's go home. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You know what that means? God hates pride. And when I don't present myself humbly before him, uh, he will oppose my progress. But, uh, I'm through. When I bring him a humble heart, when I ask him for his help, you know, you may have some dark, heavy things you've been dealing with, but the Lord will help you. Oh, I don't have any help here. Look at the darkness we've come through. Personally and then nationally. These killings, these midnight marches. But we come through them. You know, it's been over 50 years since they shot John Kennedy. Over 50 years. But the sun came up the next day. In another couple of years, it'll be 50 years since they shot Martin Luther King Jr. He only lived 39 years. But we moved through it. The shootings in Ferguson with Michael Brown. The, the Martin shootings in Florida with Zimmerman. And dark times! But we survive. You survive your divorce. You survive that death in your family. You survive that bad doctor's report. You're still here. I don't have any witnesses here. And the truth is, while you want to sit around feeling sorry about it, if the Lord lets the sun come up another day, you need to learn how to say thank you. If the Lord gives you another opportunity, you need to say thank you. Because healing always happens.
in God. In God. Reposition your head. Let me ask you. I'm through. I'm through two minutes and we're going to sing. Where is your head at? When it comes to your life, your prosperity. Where is your head? When it comes to your situation and your circumstance. I know what you think. You think, oh no, see, you've been in church all your life. You're one of them preachers. You preachers, that's all. You all preach all that stuff, but y'all, you, you didn't grow up in the street like I did. You didn't grow up in the poverty I grew up in. You didn't grow up in the confusion I grew up in. Listen, let me tell you what. The truth of the matter is, all of us came from a dark place. And all of us serve a God that is available to heal all of that mess inside of you. It doesn't matter what happened to you. What does matter is that you come to God. Because the God that we're talking about is able to heal every situation. Choose to think better. Put your head in his hands. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. What did Jesus say? I know I got a witness now. Let me close my Bible because I'm through. What did Jesus say? He said, and I, if I, come on, come on, come on, be lifted up from the earth. What did he say? I'll draw all men. Now, if he's up, and he draws me, what happens to me? I go up. <laughs> that's why That's why that old senior choir down the Beulah Missionary Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa used to sing that old song, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. No higher plane that I found Lord plant my feet on higher ground Lord lift me up and let me stand and I'm a living witness if you give your heart to him he will lift you up let's stand up I'm ready to go come on come on stand <laughs> I dare somebody to say I'm standing up cause he'll lift me up Lord lift me up let me tell you let me tell you why I like preaching let me tell you why I like preaching so much I like preaching cause like most folk, I like to express myself. And I find out that in preaching, I can express myself better than I can doing anything else. If I went downtown and hollered like that, they'd have me committed to an institution. They'd arrest me for disturbing the peace. But you know what I can do in the house of God? Lord, lift me up. Stand by faith. On heaven's table, no higher plane 
that I have found. Oh, plant my feet on higher ground. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He'll lift you out of your misery. He'll lift you out of your problems. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus.